0: certainly thankful to be with you here again at Eureka in this meeting. I always enjoy coming to this church and being with you and especially with Brother Rabin and being in his home and I appreciate his hospitality. I quoted from Matthew the 16th chapter last night about the experience of the Apostle Peter when Christ asked them, "What do men say? who do men say that I the Son of Man am? And different ones started to give different opinions of who Christ was and Peter spoke up who was usually the spokesman for the apostles and said thou art the Christ the son of the living God Jesus Christ pronounced him blessed he said blessed art thou Simon bar Jonah for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee but my father which is in heaven and if you can see and understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God this morning, then you're blessed by the Father. In fact, you're blessed above and beyond a lot of your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you can understand that and see that, that he is the Christ, the anointed one of God, that he's not just a Christ, or not just a Christ that's talked about in this world today, but that he is the Christ the Son of the living God. That pronounces you as being blessed, as the Apostle Peter. And then he tells Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. And I believe Christ was talking about himself. He wasn't talking about Peter. He wasn't talking about any other man. Can you imagine the church of Jesus Christ being built upon a man? There's been some of those, and they're gone today. The church of Jesus Christ, for it to stand, must be built upon him. He's that sure foundation. He's that rock of Gibraltar. And when the church is built upon him and it's functioning upon him, it'll be a blessing in this ungodly world. But the church of Jesus Christ was built by Jesus Christ. It's his church. He bought it and he paid for it with his own precious blood. Now he says... Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, I've heard people tell me, and probably you've heard it, and had somebody tell you that the church, that, uh, well, the old Baptist church, to be specific, is going out of existence. I've had them tell me, you know, we're going to die out. Well, Jesus Christ says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That tells me that it's going to be here. And, you know, there have been those that have been preaching the old Baptist funeral for years, but the old Baptist church is still here, and I believe it is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason I believe that is because we, I believe we have the truth and we have the practice of the New Testament church. And I believe Christ and his own power and authority will preserve his church. Now, this is what I wanted to get to. In the 19th verse, he says, Unto Peter, I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now Jesus Christ says, I will give unto thee the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now we know that can't be talking about heaven's pure world. Because no man has those keys. No man has that authority Only God has the authority to let someone enter into heaven's pure world or to bring them into heaven's pure world. No man has those keys. So this is talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ told Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And I believe the keys to the kingdom of heaven is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has the gospel. And I believe that's the keys for one that is seeking and one that is entering to come into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that kingdom is the church. I believe it's the church here in this world in which we live in. God never gave the keys to heaven's pure world to a man or to a preacher. He never gave a man the responsibility of opening the door and letting a sinner enter into heaven. God himself controls that door. Christ himself is that door. And one is ushered through by the power and spirit of the Almighty God. He doesn't enter into that door. Brother, he's brought through it by the power of God himself. No man enters that on his own. No man can open that door. And I'll tell you, when God opens that door, no man can close that door. And once they're brought through, brother, they're in. And they're in for all eternity. And they'll never be put out of it. God never gave that responsibility to a man. I don't have the keys to heaven's pure world tonight, but I feel like I've been called by God and been given the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I have the keys to the kingdom of God. And in my ministry, God has blessed me by His grace in being able to show some of God's people those keys to the kingdom and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and through God's grace. God has blessed them to enter into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. God never gave that to man. I want to go to Acts 10. And I want us to see a man here in Acts 10 that's never heard the gospel preached. He's never been to a gospel service. He's never been to a church. But I want to read some things about this man, and I want you to judge within your mind yourself whether you think this man is born of the Spirit of God. He's a man named Cornelius. Now listen to what it says in Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. It says there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He's a Roman centurion. He's a pure-blooded Italian, and he's in a a coastal town called Caesarea. He's an important man. He must be a high-up man in Roman authority because he's a, a centurion, and he's in a pure Italian band. Now listen to what it says about him, how it describes this man named Cornelius. It says he's a devout man. That word means uh, devoted. He's a devoted man. And if you read some more in this chapter, you'll find that he's devoted to his family. It says here, a devout man and one that feared God. I'll tell you, one of the marks of... You you, you know, I run into people a lot of times uh, where I'm at down in Jacksonville, Florida, especially now, they have no fear of God before their eyes. There's no fear of God in their heart. They would go through all day long and never even consider God. But this man fears God. That tells, me, that tells me that God has worked in his heart. He's a man that fears God. He's a devout man with all his house, which gave much alms to the people. He's a generous man. He's generous with what God has blessed him with. He's willing to share what he has with those that are in need or those that are less fortunate than him. He's not a covetous man, but he's a generous man. Listen to what it goes on and says. And pray to God always. He's a praying man. He's a devoted man. He's a man that fears God. He's a generous man. He gives much alms to the people and he prays to God. If I've ever found someone that has the evidence of a child of God, in the Word of God it's Cornelius. I tell you, I wouldn't mind having Cornelius for a neighbor. (laughs) I wouldn't mind having Cornelius for a church member. But he's never heard the gospel preached. God doesn't need the gospel to touch a man's heart and to tender his heart. God doesn't need the gospel preacher to born one again. I'll tell you, brother, you can go around different places and you can find those that's never been in a church, never been in a house of God, but their heart's been tendered. I find them that they're kind and they're generous. I've broken down on the side of the road before and had one of those good old boys in their pickup trucks stop and ask me, can I help you? And even take me and get me some help and sit there in his pickup truck, and he's kind, and he's generous, and even humble. He's never been in the house of God, but I'll tell you this, God's already been to him. God's already worked in his heart. There's a lot of them out there. You know, I had a man tell me one time, all drunks will be in hell. I've seen some drunks, brother, that their heart has been tender. Now, they might have lived in hell in this life. But I'll tell you this, I believe many of them open their eyes in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ because they've been touched by the grace of God. They never enjoyed the pleasures of the kingdom of heaven or the pleasures of the church or been able to sit with their brothers and sisters in Christ and even sit with Christ together in heavenly places and have their soul lifted up. But I'll tell you this, they'll be like that dying thief when Jesus Christ said, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Why? Because of the grace of the Almighty God. Not because of the gospel preacher. Not because of a track bearer. Not even because of the written word of God, but because of the living word of God. Because he died and bled for Him over 2,000 years ago. And it wouldn't matter anyway. If you found one, you brought him to church all of his life, unless God dealt with him, it wouldn't do him any good. You could sit him down on the front row and chain him there and have our best preachers preach to him. Every night of the week wouldn't do him any good unless God had dealt with him. You see, God had already been to Cornelius and already dealt with Cornelius by his grace. Here's a man that's devoted, a devoted family man. And I'll tell you, brother, I've even seen some of God's people that's not very devoted to their families. You know, I've got people that are kinfolk. I've got people that are friends down in Jacksonville, Florida, that have come to me and find out what I believe since I've gone back. Brother, they come to me and come to my house and ask me, I preach to them. Now, they don't like it, some of them. You know, I even had my sister, uh, I gave her a copy of, uh, my brother-in-law's a preacher. You can call him a preacher. And when we get together, the sparks fly upward and you know we uh, I, they want to know what we believe I gave them a copy of our articles of faith yes. they started reading those articles of faith and they got down to the part about the sovereignty of God and God doesn't need the gospel or man or the preacher or anybody else to populate heaven never has, never will and never will use them for that Amen. they said whoa wait a minute I can agree with everything else but I can't agree with that My brother-in-law told me, he said, you know, he said, Billy Graham, if I can save as many souls as he saved, I'll be satisfied. I said, you will. I said, don't worry about that, you will. (laughs) Well, my sister said to me, she said, you know what you are, Billy? You're not not a a child of God, you're a heathen. (laughs) But I'll tell you this, I believe the grace of God is in her heart. She don't know these truths, and she don't appreciate them, but I believe God has dealt with her by his grace. And whether Cornelius ever heard the gospel or not, whether he was ever obedient to the gospel or not, Cornelius would be in heaven because God died for him. Jesus Christ is God, and he died for him. And that's what will put him in there. You know, some of those people are good people. Some of them I know, but they just don't appreciate what we believe and what we preach. I wish they could see it. I know some of them, I'd love for them to be able to see it, to bring them out from under the bondage that they're under and the burdens that they're under. I'll tell you, Jesus Christ said, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I say amen to that. I've seen some of them set free by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've seen preachers use those keys, brother, and unlock that door, and they were set free. But God was in the matter. God was working on both ends. See, God has to work on both ends. This man Cornelius has already been dealt with by God. Born of the Spirit of God. He has eternal life. It's his and it will always be his. But some of me don't have. And he don't have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He don't have the timely salvation that comes to a child of God in this life in hearing the gospel and being in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the deliverances that come in this life. Brother, I'll tell you this. Uh, I want I to tell you what the negative part of the gospel is. And the negative part of that is, is it's never regenerated anybody. Right. And it never will. God gives life. All life comes from God. While Adam's race can till, toil, and cultivate the ground. But I'll tell you this. They never brought life out of the ground. It takes God to give that life. A life is a miracle from God, and as the psalmist would say, all life comes from God. God is the fountain of life, and all life proceeds from Him. And when a newborn babe is born, is born into this world, or even one in the animal kingdom, it's a miracle from God. And when one is born of the Spirit of God, when he's dead in trespasses and sins, and he cares nothing about the church or the desire to be with God's people or in the house of God or anything about the gospel, and then there's a change that comes in his life, just like John Newton, a man that dealt in human slavery. You ever read his book? Brother, I mean, I like the way he wrote his book because he told what he was. He didn't call it. He told it just like it was what he was before God dealt with him. And I believe that's why that man could write that song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound that Saved a Wretch Like Me. He saw the grace of God and he understood it because he knew what he was before God's grace dealt with him. That life proceeds from God. And, and that's the negative part of the gospel is that the gospel has nothing to do with that. But there's a positive side to the gospel. Brother, the gospel's a blessing. If you're a child of God and you've been born of the Spirit of God and then you believe the gospel and can see it and understand it, then you're pronounced blessed like Peter was. Blessed art thou, whoever you are. Blessed art thou, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. The Father's revealed something to you. You know, it's just like over in Ephesians 4, where it says when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. What was the gifts that he gave? He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And what did he give them those gifts for? For populating heaven? For making children of God? Is that what what it says he gave them for? It says for uh, the perfecting of the saints. And that word perfecting means the maturing of the saints. And brother, I'm going to tell you, when a child of God sits there and hears the gospel from week to week, they ought to be maturing, they ought to be growing in grace and knowledge. For the perfecting of the saints. You know, Peter says, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may what? Grow thereby. I'll tell you, brother, it ought to be a growing experience in the child of God's life. Now, now, have you ever seen a dead child that wanted milk? He's got to be alive before he wants milk, don't he? He said, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. I've got a little boy at home. I'd worry about him if he didn't get hungry. Of course, I don't have anything to worry about. He stays hungry. But you know that? I'm glad about that. If he didn't get hungry, you know, and the reason he's hungry is because he's he's alive. He's not dead. You know, when that babe cries, Uh, when he's in that uh, crib at night, why is he crying? He's crying because he wants to be fed. He's crying out because he's got life. Not to get life, but because he's got life. He's crying out, and he wants that mother to come in there and feed him the sincere milk of the Word. And I'll tell you, brother, I want the sincere milk of the Word. I don't want the sincere milk of the mind, and I don't want the philosophies of men... You know, sometimes I wonder about God's people that'll sit and hear just anything. Just anything goes, just anything will do. It doesn't matter. The man, man get behind the pulpit, it doesn't even matter if he can preach. I mean, gets up there and you can't understand a word he's saying. I wonder about that. Brother, I want the sincere milk of the word. Why? That I may grow thereby. I want to understand what the man's saying. I want him to preach a thus saith the Lord. You know, somebody says what our, what our young people need today. We need something for our young people. I was with the people like that that started that. You know, we need something for our young people. You know what we need for the young people? The Word of God. Uh, you, know, you know what we need for the old people? I, I even heard about a, a preacher uh, started an exercise class for the old people. You know what we need for the old... Nothing wrong with exercise now, but let's don't start it in the house of God. You know what we need for the old people? The Word of God. You know what we need for the middle-aged people? The Word of God. That's what we need. That will suffice. The Word of God. Why? That they may grow thereby. I want the sincere milk of the Word. And I don't want it watered down. (laughs) But I want, it, I want it strong like it comes out of the Word of God, the sincere milk of the Word of God. That's what the gospel does for the perfecting of the saints, the maturing of the saints. Well, you know, I try to feed my little boy good food. I don't want him eating just anything. I try to keep the junk away from him. It's hard to do. But I try to keep that away from him and feed him good food. Why? Because I want him to grow up and I want him to be strong. I want him to be healthy. I want him to have a healthy body. And I'll tell you, God's children that sit in the house of God need to hear the sincere milk of the Word. They need to grow thereby. They need to hear the good stuff out of the Word of God. And all of it's good stuff. The whole counsel of the Word of God that they may grow and become strong i tell you, it's a shame sometimes when you see people that's been in the church for 20 or 30 years and they've never gone any further than the day they joined. We ought to be willing to give, you, you, you know, the, the hope that's within us, we ought to be able to tell somebody about it. We ought to know something about the Word of God. I believe that. I believe God's people ought to read the Word of God. Ought to be familiar with it. And then when a man gets behind the pulpit and starts to preach something that's contrary to the fundamental doctrines that we believe and that we love, we can identify it. It's just like an old sister up there at Bethlehem. A fellow came up and wanted to preach. He couldn't preach, and the church said in judgment of his gift that he didn't have one. Well, he got him a pad and made him three columns, and he was going to go around and try to get a a list started of those that might think he could preach. And in one column it says, I can preach. The other column says, I can't preach. And the other column says, you're just neutral. And he goes around he visits all the church members, but he comes to this one old sister who's been in the church about 40 years. And he asked her, and she said, you can't put my name on any list. He said, well, why not? Can't I just put you in the neutral column? She said, no, the word of God says a man's gift will make room for him. You know, she she knew more about the Word of God than he did. i tell you, brethren, we need to grow. We need the sincere milk of the Word that we may grow thereby and be God-honoring in our lives. That's what he gave the work of the ministry for. That's what he gave those gifts for, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And you know, a minister will never know what his work is until he reads the Word of God. He'll never know what he's doing until he reads the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction and... and, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be what perfect, truly furnished unto what all good works. If we're going to know what good works are, then we got to read the Word of God. Well, that's why God sent Peter down to Cornelius. Now, God may be what perfect, truly furnished unto what all good works. If we're going to know what good works are, then we got to read the Word of God. Well, that's why God sent Peter down to Cornelius. Not to make him a child of God, but to instruct him in the gospel, to feed his soul. You see, the gospel was, was designed to feed the lambs and to feed the sheep. That's what God gave those gifts for. Now listen to what it says. And when he he saw in a vision This is Cornelius now. In the third third verse, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, and that's about three o'clock. That tells me that Cornelius was a praying man. You know, a lot of times we're at work, we might be too busy to pray. It seems like Cornelius took time out at three o'clock during the day to pray to God. You know, the Word of God says to pray without ceasing. There's nothing wrong with taking a little break. You're talking about a coffee break. Nothing wrong with taking a little prayer break. And praying to God, even during the middle of the day or at 3 o'clock or 8 o'clock, doesn't matter. It's time in our lives to take a break and to pray to God. And that's what Cornelius does here. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius... And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Not only was Cornelius praying, but God heard his prayer. And I'm going to tell you, uh, not only does a, a, an unregenerate does not pray, now he might utter a few words, but he doesn't pray. And, and I'll tell you this, God certainly doesn't hear his prayer. When you find someone praying from the heart, It's because God has placed that desire in their heart and they're pouring out their heart to God in sincere desire. I'll tell you, God hears their prayer. And and I don't believe in miracle workers, but I believe in miracles. I believe that God hears the prayers of many of His people and many of His churches and I've seen Him work miracles. How about you? You know, I was thinking about Brother Julian Cunningham, reading about that article he wrote about calling for the elders and the doctors had given up on him. I mean, they said, it's out of our hands. He called for the elders. They came in and prayed. I think they were having a meeting down there. Quite a few elders, they came in, got around his hospital bed and prayed. And the doctor the next morning didn't know what in the world had happened. I'll tell you what had happened, a miracle. God had heard their prayers. Well, Cornelius was a praying man and God heard him and he said, And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. You ever had a preacher tell you what you ought to do? Did you do it? You know, I don't know about you, but I had them telling me some things I ought to do and I didn't do it for a while. You know, I mean, I had some of them telling me that uh, oughta, oughta, uh, God had showed me the church that ought to get in. It. I said, well, wait a minute now, I can't do that. I got a full-time ministry. I got three children at home. I'm living in a pastorium, I'm on a salary, paying some of my expenses. How in the world can I do that? Well, that didn't that didn't relieve the fact that I... Ought to go ahead and do what God was telling me to do, and I did, and God worked all those things out. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm saved by the grace of God, but I'm even here today by the grace of God. Amen. You see, grace is good to die by, but it's good to live by too. It says, uh, "And He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do." I tell you. It's a serious thing when God speaks to us through a gospel preacher and we feel like God is speaking to us and he's telling us what we ought to do and then we disobey. I tell you, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Listen to what he goes on and says, And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them down to Joppa. Now God sent an angel to Cornelius, but he's going to send a poor fisherman preacher named Peter to preach the gospel to him. Isn't that amazing? That God will take a a man and lift him up, a poor man, and lift him up and bless him to preach the gospel to his people. If I was God, I'd probably send angels. But I'm not God. God takes poor men and does that. You know, that's what he did with Saul of Tarsus in the previous chapter in the previous chapter I believe Peter here's taking the keys and opening the door because he's raising up Saul of Tarsus and he's going to be Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. He has listen. He has power and authority over all men. Who in the world would think that he could take a line like Saul of Tarsus who is breathing out threatenings to the Lord church, Lord church and not only breathing them out but carrying them out Take a man that's a lion like that and tame him like a little lamb. You see, he has power over all men. You know, I've talked a little bit about what I was before the Lord dealt with me. I go home, my wife says, if they only knew. I feel sorry for her sometimes because she knows. But she, I mean, I mean, she's amazed. She says, this thing's got to be real. But that's what God can do because he has power over all men. And that's who he's going to send a man to Cornelius to preach the gospel to him. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon a housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And this is about noon. And Peter goes up on the housetop to pray. Now he's up on a housetop and he's looking out over Israel and over Jerusalem. And I got a feeling that maybe he's doing some praying up there for them. And did you know a lot of times that's where we need to get to pray? It's not maybe so much in a public assembly, but in our closets, in our private place, even in our automobile, riding down the road, and there by ourselves praying to God. They're in silence even praying to God. You know, I believe sometimes I've been blessed to preach, not so much by a great audible prayer, nothing wrong with praying audible in the church, but not so much maybe by a great audible prayer, but by maybe one old sister that's sitting out there in the congregation praying that God would bless me that morning and give me a message for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter goes up to the house, to the rooftop, And he prays. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. God's fixing to teach this Jew a lesson. He's fixing to teach this Jewish preacher a lesson. Now listen to what it says. And there came a voice to him Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now there's all types of wild things in this sheep that's been let down. And even in that, I think that God's fixing to teach this Jewish preacher that I've got a people from all over the world from even the four corners of the earth. And I'll tell you this, brethren, before God deals with us, that's that's what we are. We're just like a wild beast. We're just like a wild jackass. You remember when Jesus Christ rode that ass in the colt, the foal of an ass, into Jerusalem that day? I believe that points to the human depravity of man. And in our human depravity, we're wild by nature. We are rebellious to God, just like Saul of Tarsus, and it takes the Son of God to tame us. But you know that jackass was tamed, and all he did was it. But all he had to do was just meet that man called Legions. He was wild, wasn't he? All he had to do was meet him, and he was tame like a lamb. Saul of Tarsus, talking about somebody mean. All, all Jesus Christ had to do was meet him on the road to Damascus. And you, you ever thought about what he said to him? Why, why dost thou persecutest me? Now, Paul, Saul had never laid a hand on Christ. But he was persecuting his people. And you know what that tells me? When we persecute one of God's children, it's just like doing it to him. You see, it takes God to tame them. And that's what we're like. But God has a people from, a people out of every nation, tongue, kindred, tribe, and family And I believe that's what he's showing Peter here. See, Peter's fixing to go to a Gentile. Jews didn't mix with Gentiles. In fact, if a Jew ever touched a Gentile in the marketplace, he'd go home and get him a bath. He felt like Gentiles were dogs. That's what they called Gentiles. They called them dogs. You know, even Christ spoke to a woman one time that was following him and bothering the apostles. He said it's not meat to give the children's bread unto the dogs. What was she? She was a Gentile. And that's the way the Jews looked at the Gentiles. But God's fixing to educate this preacher, this Jewish preacher. And he, I believe he's showing him here, I've got a people all over the face of the earth. Listen to what it goes on and say. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. I remember he's a Jew. And Jews only ate certain things. God gave them their dietary law over in, over in the Old Testament. They didn't eat catfish. They didn't eat pork. Now I know Brother Raven's glad that we're not under those dietary laws today because we the way he was eating that bacon this morning. And I'm glad too. But this, this is a Jew. But I believe there's a lot deeper lesson here. Yeah. I believe that God is telling Peter, He said, What I have cleansed, call thou not uncommon or unclean. And He said, What I have cleansed. He didn't say what the preachers cleansed. He didn't say what the gospel is cleansed. He said, What I have cleansed. Brother, God does the cleansing. And you know how He does the cleansing? By washing them in the blood of the Lamb the blood of the lord jesus christ and when they're washed in that blood brother they're clean whether we like it or not whether we think they're clean or not if they've been washed in the blood of the lord jesus christ they stand before god almighty cleansed of all their sins and that's what he's teaching him here and peter peter keeps telling him three times god had to show him this vision he says not so lord peter peter was steeped in that jewish tradition wasn't he you know, a lot of times God's, God's people that have been brought up somewhere and they're steeped in tradition, they think that's the Word of God. You know, a lot of people have thought an old Baptist church couldn't add another meeting because it was against the Word of God. You know, there'd be something wrong with adding an old Baptist meeting. Something was wrong with fixing up our churches or making them look presentable. We wasn't supposed to do that. We wasn't supposed to have indoor bathrooms. I'm glad we're getting out of some of that. That's been nothing but a tradition. But a lot of times when we're brought up that way, we think that's the way it is and that's the way it's got to be. I've even heard of some old Baptists spitting because uh, they wouldn't wear a tie. I'll tell you, brother, I'm glad we're coming out of some of that. And you know what will bring us out of that? Preach that gospel. Preach the Word of God. Just keep preaching it. Keep hammering down on it. You know, when I was first coming into the ministry, I used to talk to some of our ministers about that. And just like Brother Ravens even told me this week. You know, I've been going to a church down in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm not going to call the name of it. But I'm going to tell you, when I go down there, I know how well we're blessed, brethren, up here in Georgia in the churches that I go to. I know how merciful God has been to us to give us good solid men, to give us good preachers that would declare the gospel and preach the whole counsel of God's Word and didn't water it down but would stand on it and stand together uh, locked arm in arm and declare the Word and they were consistent with it. I thank God for that. Brother, I'm going to tell you something. You go in an area where they haven't had that, you can see the results of it. That men maybe couldn't preach or was scared to preach. Brother, we don't need none of that. But you know what I've been amazed about? As I go down there and I get in the pulpit and God blesses me with some liberty to preach, and you can feel the spirit and power of God in that place, and people's souls are being fed by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they seem to be responding, that tells me God hadn't given up on them yet. And brother, if God hadn't given up on them and that candlestick's still there, we better not give up on them. I preached before and said before you, God will take nothing and make something out of it. Well, I need to start living that now. That's what God can do. But you know that's what the gospel will do. You keep preaching it, keep teaching, and that's what Brother Raven is talking to me about. And I've heard it before. What you do, you keep preaching, keep teaching, keep teaching the Word of God. And I'll tell you, isn't it wonderful, Brother Raven? I know that you know it is when you see God's people start to grow. Amen. When you just keep preaching and teaching, and they come to you and they say, "You know, you know, I can see what you, I see this, or I can see that." I had a brother the other day when I first started preaching where he was. He was, steeped, he was steeped with some absolutism. But you know the other day I was talking to him and his, his uh, nephew had gotten killed and left a wife there. Uh, nep- uh, his nephew uh, and, and two of his children had gotten killed and left a wife. And he had went over there and he was talking to her and trying to comfort her and talking to her about the Word of God and about the resurrection and those things and said she was feeling some better about it and she was being able to bear up some by talking about the Word of God. He says, you know, Brother Billy, that's that timely salvation you've been talking about. That's a blessing. But Peter was steeped in this tradition. God let down that sheet three times to Peter. I mean, if God did it three times, how many times had we ought to preach it? (laughs) This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold the men which were sent to him. From Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee, arise therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. That makes all the difference in the world. Peter's fixing to go preach to a bunch of Gentiles. And you know, I'll tell you something. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not bound. And wherever God opens a door, brother, we ought to step in it. I'm not bound by no traditions of men. I'm not bound by anything. If God opens a door of utterance, that we're to step in it as a gospel preacher and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's my desire that God in His providence would guide me and direct me in my ministry that I may go where He has prepared a people and when He opens that door, brother, step in there with those gospel keys and preach the gospel to them. Wherever it might be. You know, that's that's one thing that helped win me to the old Baptist. You know, I uh, was pastoring a church, another religious order, and I got to know Brother Sam Bryant, and I believed the things he preached, and the brother would preach him plain, and I asked him to come to that church I was pastoring and fill an appointment. He said, sure, Brother Bill. He said, sure, I'll go over there. And he came and, brother, the house filled up. The old Baptist in that area filled that house up. Not only those that I I was pastoring, but they filled the house up. And I'll tell you, God blessed him to preach that night. And it did some good. He was willing to go where God opened the door. You know, I believe there's some more out there that aren't old Baptists that need to be. I believe there's some more out there that love this. It's like that brother I, talk, I was talking to you about last night I've been working on. If he's not careful, I'm going to get him. <laughs> then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am, he, I am he whom ye seek. Now in the 25th verse, And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Now, you know, I've seen some of these fellows on TV that would love this. If they could get somebody to worship them and get their money, that's what they're after. You know, and even of course, now, we might even have some men that want to be worshipped. But i tell you, we ought not to worship men. We ought to worship God and remember that, remember that God's preachers are men. They're, they're sent from God. There was a man named John who was sent from God. When a preacher comes and he can preach and he can feed your soul and he can teach you something out of the Word of God and he can show you the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in a better way, I'm telling you all to thank God for it. Be thankful for Him and all to respect the office of the ministry. I don't say that because I'm in it, but I say that because of the office. We ought to respect it. And preachers ought to respect it. But he fell down at Peter's feet. Now listen to what Peter does. And that's what a man ought to do. He ought to discourage people worshiping him. But Peter took him up and said, Stand up, I myself also am a man. He says, I'm a man just like you are. He says, stand up. And Peter preaches to him. He takes those keys that Christ gave to him and he starts to unlock the door to the kingdom of heaven for this man named Cornelius. And I'll tell you something, Cornelius was obedient to it. Yeah, Cornelius had his whole household there. I I, I believe the man had a lot of zeal. You know, Paul prayed for some, he said, it says, uh, he prayed for Israel, he said that they might be saved, for I bear them record, they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Well, he might have had zeal, and I believe he did have zeal, but he didn't have any knowledge. Peter's fixing to give him some knowledge. You see, he had zeal, and he run out, and he fell down at Peter's feet. Peter says, get up, I'm a man just like you are. I'm going to tell you something. Zeal without knowledge is dangerous. And I'll tell you, sometimes we've got the knowledge, we need a little more zeal. I believe this man had zeal. And God sending him some knowledge by a preacher named Peter. But Peter took him up saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And he talked with him and he went in and found that they were come together. I mean, he's got his family there. He's got some people there to hear this. He's excited about it. You know, we ought to invite people to church. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with inviting people to church. i tell you, up at Bethlehem when I was up there, I baptized about three from another order. And you know who invited them to church? Some of the church members. In fact, sometimes the church members can have more effect in that way than the preacher. You know, a lot of times people see a preacher coming and say, Oh no, here comes the preacher. But I tell you, it's, it's good to invite your friends and bring your family to church. Bring your your children to the house of God. Do you want to lose your children to some religious order? Do you want them to be in some kind of bondage like Cornelius would have been, worshiping some man or listening to some man or some man holding some authority over their head, having them scared to death, thinking they're going to hell if they don't give enough money? How'd you like to be like that sister I talked about last night? Preacher got her scared to death. She's giving them everything she's got and can't even pay her bills and they still want more. And she believes that if she doesn't do that, she might go to hell. Well, what is she going to do? She's going to give them the money. Well, you want your children or your family under that kind of bondage. I know I don't. i tell you, brother, my grown children don't come to church like they ought to, but I took them to church when they were little. And i tell you something else. They know about the grace of God and the fundamental doctrines that we believe, and no man's going to lead them off of that. And I thank God for that much. I hope she, she's been coming some since I've gone back to Jacksonville. But, and I'm glad and I hope she'll still continue to come. But I'll tell you this, she's deep-rooted, thank God, in the grace of God and some of the fundamentals that we love and we believe. And when somebody comes to her and starts telling her something else, she can identify it. We need to bring our children into the house of God and we need to teach them in the home. We don't need any Sunday schools. We don't need any training unions. We don't need any activities. We need to use the Word of God in our homes and teach our family at our table and then bring them into the house of God in the congregation and let them hear the gospel preached. And we need to have men in the pulpit preaching the gospel and preaching so they can understand it so that it's intelligent enough that they can understand it. Now, I know they'll never understand it unless God deals with them. I know that. But I want them there, I want them there when and if God does. And that's what Cornelius did. Listen is what Peter says in 34th verse. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, Lord, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. In other words, God's got people all over the face of this earth. He's even got a people among these Gentiles. These people that we used to consider dogs. We better not call them dogs anymore. We better not call them common or unclean anymore because God has cleansed some people among these Gentiles. That's what he's saying. Respect our purses, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with God. And I'll tell you something else in the 48th verse, and he commanded them to be baptized. Now he did, you know, did you know that's a that is a command? <laughs> it says, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they were baptized. Brother, if you can see it. Somebody's brought these gospel keys and opened the kingdom of heaven to you and you can see the gospel and you love it and you know that you're saved by the grace of God and you have the grace of God in your heart and that door's been opened to the kingdom of heaven. You ought to walk in it and be baptized and take up your cross and follow Him. I'm heading down to Tyre Creek when I leave here this afternoon and we had two join last uh, second Sunday They've been coming. Their father's a member. They've been coming. They've been coming for some time. And they joined last second Sunday. And you know what I'm fixing to do? I'm fixing to baptize them into the kingdom of heaven, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they was not always old Baptists. They were somewhere else. But God gave me those keys and I used them. And I opened the door and God blessed them to see it. And they stepped in it. And if God's blessed you, that's what you ought to do. May the Lord have his blessings.